Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Oi, oi, I'm Jimmy Bullard, and this is me old muck of Benners. We're back together, son. How are you? Hi, Bully. Great to be back working with you. What are we doing here, though? We're starting a football club in podcast form. The only thing we know, it's called FC Bullard. After that, it's all up for grabs. So we haven't got any players, we haven't got a kit, we haven't got a club badge, we haven't got a stadium. Correct. FC Bullard. Welcome to the club. This is a crowd podcast. What's occurring, Bert? What is occurring, current? Is that a Slovenian accent? <laughs> that was terrible. Nowhere near, but effort, I guess. Well, it has been a ridiculous day in the tour, G, on Thursday. Mm. Um, multiple plot lines, but we need to give the headlines, as always, don't we? So this was the return of Snoop Pog. Yeah, yeah. It was um, great to see for the race. Um, great to see for Pog as well. I didn't really expect it. Not that. When I saw that there was a breakaway and Paulus was in it, best guy was at seven something and Bora were controlling, I was like, oh, I've got a chance here now. Got a chance for some big points in the old competition. But um, yeah, didn't really turn out that way. But yeah, Pog wins, puts time back into Vingegaard. Yeah, it's um, exciting racing. But to be fair, I don't know why, but watching today, Tom, was the stage I've least enjoyed from a I wish I was there point of view really yeah just because it was just non-stop drama it was all manner of tactics it was plans carefully laid plans going up in smoke it was attacks it was counter attacks exactly yeah it was just good bike racing when it was all kicking off and it was just like yeah I was just like ah man that's the type of days you want to be in you know especially in the tour biggest bike race in the world nice weather none of this cloudy cold stuff like an Andorra <laughs> and uh but you know looking at big picture keep to keep telling myself big picture if I was there I wouldn't be as good as I could be after the Giro and I wouldn't be enjoying it as much and it's still the right call train now try and have a good Walter but yeah watching it I was like ah man that it would be nice to be in that like because I was racing that was it was good to watch it almost looked actually on that final climb of which more uh, detail in a moment. It did almost feel quite reminiscent of last year because we had Jonas Vinegar and we had Tadej Pogacar going 
all guns blazing. And then we had an Ineos Grenadier sort of hanging on in third, at least for a while. Not as long as you did last year. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, he did a couple of K. I think I did a bit more, but no, fair play. It was good to see Guiato climbing well in the break. You know, he'd been in the break all day. And well, those two, they're a different level, aren't they? So yeah, it was good to see him fighting though. Um, so I got a fly buzzing around my head here. I don't know if you can hear it on the mic. Special Andorran fly. Yeah, but um, anyway, uh, so yeah, good to see Quiato there fighting. Carlos, Carlos had a good ride. He was strong. He was attacking on that final climb. I think that race for for third without sounding defeatist, but the, you know, the fight for the podium is um, wide open. You know, Jai's obviously, got to say, Jai, Hindley, I feel sorry for him because after yesterday, everyone's talking about him as like, you know, potential winning, you know, going to, you know, oh, you never know. He's going to keep that jersey for a long time, blah, blah, blah. Really set him up to fail. Because let's face it, those those two, Pog and Jonas, are just a level above. And I just feel like in the press and stuff, because obviously I've watched a bit now and you hear the commentary and afterwards. And it's, yeah, they were like bigging him up too much, I felt, because now people back in, well, wherever, especially his fans and whatever, his friends, family, they would have been hearing all this, bought into it. Oh, yeah, he's got a chance he can win, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, to get dropped on that climb when they went up the Tourmalet, it makes it sound, makes it look like he's had a bad ride, but he's still third on GC, big advantage over the other guys behind him, minute and a half to the lead. This was still a really good ride. I just, I feel sorry for him. I just feel like, yeah, as I say, he's, they proper built him up to to fail like the old British tabloids used to do, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Should we put some meat on the bones then here, G? So we're talking about Thursday's uh, sixth stage from Tarb to quarter. It was 144 kilometres, so quite a short stage. Went over the cold de Aspin, because the race always goes over the Aspin when it's in the Pyrenees. And then, of course, the Tourmalet, and then finished um, this climb up Cauterets, which was where all the drama happened. Let's just do a sort of top three on the stage. So Pogaccia won the stage, uh, put 24 seconds into Vinegar. We had Johansson in third, Guerrero in fourth, James Shaw, who we'll talk about towards the end of this pod, British rider in fifth, then Jai Hindley, Carlos Rodriguez, and then the Yates boys. And what this means for the GC and what we need to get into. So we've got this very strange situation where Vinegar, on the surface of it, G, has had a great day because he's gone into yellow. But it won't feel like that to him because he had an advantage of 53 seconds in the GC over Pogaccio overnight. That's now been cut to 25 seconds. And then, as you were saying, we've got Jai Hindley, who had been in yellow today, minute 34 back, and then Simon Yates in fourth and Carlos Rodriguez in fifth. So let's just talk about how Vinegar will be feeling, first of all. Because the plan clearly today, they've looked at the way that Pogaccia was on Wednesday and gone, he's struggling, he's weak. So they've got onto the Tourmalet, the penultimate big climb, proper big set piece, Pyrenean climb, and they've gone, yeah, we're going to break him here, haven't they? And then that's not worked. And then they've used Wout van Aert on the final climb to set a horrible pace, thinking, okay, 5k to go, Janos will attack him, this time he'll snap. Didn't work out that way. Yeah, I... They definitely made that plan before. I don't think they just decided that on the Tourmalet because obviously while going in the break, they knew what they were trying to do. Basically, you could tell straight away that when Jonas went, he went full gas on the Tourmalet, really wanted to drop Pog, couldn't, and then continued on the descent. You know, he proper rile went down that descent trying to drop Pog. 
before he got to Wout because you could t- that basically what they wanted to do was have a gap and then uh, Wout could just drill it for the descent the flat bit you know Pog would be on his own behind chasing a, f- a full chap Wout would never he'd never be able to close it and he'd use a load of energy and then Jonas would just be sat in the wheel and Jonas could go and gain more time on Pog brilliant plan on paper and the team set it up brilliantly but I just think it was Jumbo were just way too confident they were just a bit cocky a bit arrogant whatever word you want to use but I just think it's easy for me to say sat here but watching it at the time I was like even yesterday you know I said to Luke I was like ah yeah there could be some gaps but you know if the first two climbs are steady like the last climb isn't super hard Jonas may have a dig if he feels good um but for me, they should have just been, right, let's consolidate. Like, Pog obviously had a bad day yesterday. They went for the jugular. It's stage six. It's stage six of a 21-stage race. There's no need to go. They were riding like it was stage 18, 19, and you need to get some time back. He's 50-odd seconds in front, as you said. There was absolutely no need to ride like that. It's great for the race. It's great to watch. But... You know, people had to go at us back in the sky days, being boring and blah, blah, blah. But we won seven tours. They're still leading now, but they, they could quite easily lose this one. And it's about winning the race. It's about being conservative and attacking at the right times and being ballsy. There's nothing wrong with being ballsy, but I just feel like it was way too aggressive, especially this early on. Bora, as we said yesterday, unbelievable controlled that race really well there was a big group best guy was Alaphilippe seven odd minutes I did think oh you could let it go a bit bigger it was only three minutes about the Aspan but it went up to about five so they they set it up nicely they could have let it as I say a bit more but then Jumbo obviously came rode a ballistic pace it was quite funny seeing Wout riding in front of the break and Jumbo chasing behind <laughs> but it wasn't you know when you know what's happening it, it's not stupid but it just looks quite funny doesn't it team chasing your teammate kind of thing but and yeah it, it was a really good plan like of course if Jonas could have dropped Pog there even by five seconds getting the slipstream of Wout and then Wout as I say rides full gas full time trial um, down the descent in that valley starting on the climb you know he would have put time into Pog Pog would have been chasing on his own and Jonas would have put another minute into him Good the amount of energy Pog would have had to spend but as I say, it was just way too aggressive, I feel like. Um, from Pog's point of view, I think it was it was great. They didn't have to do anything. He's just got to sit there and just be a little bit more defensive. Let Jonas and Jumbo do the hard yards. And it worked perfectly. Like I, I, to be honest, I didn't expect him to recover as well as he did. Um, but blatantly yesterday, he had an off day, a subpar day. And he's come back fighting, swinging, and yeah, great, great for the race. Right, let's have our first ad break there. And then when we come back, we're going to get into how this battle is going to develop. Right, G, so let's get into this battle between the two uh, race leaders now. So the point you make about this being stage six, when I was watching on Thursday afternoon, I had to remind myself it wasn't the third week. 
This is how nuts it is. This is how nuts this battle is. And as I was watching it, I was sort of thinking after yesterday, maybe my head had gone a little bit yumbo. I was sort of thinking, oh, maybe Pog's crash has really hurt him or he hasn't got quite enough and Vinegar looks super strong and his team is super strong and maybe this is going to be one-sided. And then as I'm watching it on the tourmalade, I'm sort of getting excited saying, okay, Pog's hanging in there. And on that final climb, when Vinegar attacked and he couldn't drop Pog, and I'm sort of thinking, is Pog going to ride this conservatively? Is he just going to try and sit on Vinegard? And when he attacked and he started putting, what, seven, eight seconds into him and then Vinegard held it and then he went out again, I started thinking not only about what a thrilling day it was to watch on Thursday, I just started thinking, we've got two more weeks of this. We've got mm-hmm. two and a half more weeks of this. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I thought exactly the same when Vinegard couldn't drop Pog up Tourmalet. I was like, for sure, Pog is a lot better today and I said there and then I was like bugger Dupluski's got it right he's called it right and that was the main thing I was upset about to be honest so chapeau Dupluski by the way but um, yeah I, I, there and then I thought Pogs even if he sits in the wheel he's going to sprint him um, I thought he would have a dig I didn't think he'd get as much time I didn't think Jonas would be as or lose it as quickly as he did but yeah, it's it's phenomenal to watch. And I think Yumbo now, they're going to be sat there with the yellow jersey, but they're going to be feeling, shit, we got a race on our hands now. Like the difference between how they were feeling last night, you know, making this plan, they thought they were just going to run away with the tour. They thought they could just, you know, do this plan and gain another minute on him and, you know, sail away off into the sunset. But anything but... I know you love your general sport. You love your, your rugby. You've been watching the cricket. Uh, you're a big Arsenal fan. When you see rivalries like this, this is what cycling really needs, isn't it? And this isn't knocking any of the glory is of Ineos and Sky. But if you go back down, I don't know, the last 15, 20 years of men's road racing. So Froome had his rivals. You know, it might be Quintana. It might be Nibali. Um, you had Contador. rivals. One of them... Contador, you had rivals within your team the year that you won won the tour. But you've almost got to go back. You've got to go at least as far back probably as Armstrong and Ulrich and probably you've got to go further back because that wasn't necessarily an equal rivalry. You've almost got to go back to, I don't know, the Le Mans days, haven't you? All the way back to sort of Le Mans. Armstrong and Ulrich was never a battle. It was was always Armstrong. Yeah, but history is a good thing at like you know making things look better you always remember like oh back in my day that this and that but you know what I mean like it never was like that in reality at the time but I just don't think we've really had um, since I've been watching the tour since I've maybe been alive since since I've definitely been cycling as a 12 year old we've never had real two guys as close as they are at the moment and as aggressive and confident as they are at the moment. So it's definitely, definitely exciting to watch. And I know it sounds a bit negative and a bit boring to people, but yeah, if I was Jumbo, just consolidate, leave it, leave it to Bora to do everything all day. There was just no need for him to go all out like that. But that's what makes it great to watch. So you can't complain about that. Um, But yeah, as I said before, it's like proper role reversal. Last night, Pog and his team would, would have been thinking, geez, what are we going to do now? 
And I pretty, I think now it's Jumbo for sure would be like, whoa, we've just given half of our advantage away. Um, I think the more dangerous thing is we've given Pog a lot of confidence. So Yeah, he's got his belief back, hasn't he? Oh, big time. So I think, you know, because um, I was watching on GCN with the commentary and the guys were saying his interviews this morning were a bit sort of subdued and a bit sort of like... Mm. Um, but that was, I think that was just him, yeah, real focused and determined and just like, right, I'm doing this interview because I have to, but I just want to get going and turn this around. And um, he's done that. So I think Sunday now, it'll be a big, big day and it'll be interesting to see what happens. Who's aggressive, who takes it on, who sits back. It's, a, it's, the, hard, it's the hardest um, finish climb of the tour so far on Sunday. So it's definitely going to be one to watch. What I like about about Pog, and we've obviously had him as a guest on the GTCC, right? What you see with him is what you get. Like he doesn't mind showing you his emotions, does he? It's almost like he's playing some great game and he's loving the game. Whether it's before the stage when he's, like you said today on Thursday, he was being perfectly honest. There was a point um, midway through, or slightly after midway through today's stage, where he was just making faces at the TV motorbike like he was Tommy Verkler. Oh, when I saw that, mate, I was like, he's on a good day for sure. He was playing big time. He was doing all this with his wrist. He knew the yeah. camera was there. He's not stupid. He was he was playing up big time, 100%. And yeah. Jumbo fell for a yeah. line sinker. Yeah. And then you see him at the end of a stage. He's always got a little joke in him, hasn't he? Whether he's taking a Mickey yeah. out or out Van Aert on stage two for, you know, throwing his throwing his hands down. He's got a little bit of chat for Vinegar today. There's always a little smile on his face. I just love the oh, fact that... What did that, he say to that, Vinegar? There was just a little word and a sort of, you know, it was sort of an arm on the shoulder. But it wasn't really a sort of, oh, unlucky, mate. It was a little bit, hello, I'm still here. Mm. Do you know what I mean? He just, he really oh, seems to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's definitely what Cycling needs. Like, let's face it, the next Netflix thing, fairly boring. It didn't really show anyone's characters. Um, it could have shown more. Or well, maybe people were a bit, um, what's the word, defensive or didn't want to, wasn't sure how they'd, sh they'd come across. Um, but Pog, he's the type of character you want in the sport winning because, yeah, he... He loves it, doesn't he? Like you say, he's always got a little joke. He said he's going to he's going after Cavs record, didn't he? I saw his post race interview earlier. Um, he's on ten, so he's got 25, 24 <laughs> to go. So, but no, I love it. He's he's great for the sport. Fair play to him. And thinking about those rivalries, thinking about other sports, it's the rivalries that make sport, isn't it? So let's say you'd have it in, in tennis, for example, because Wimbledon's going on in Britain at the moment. Let's say you'd had just the Federer era and there had been no Nadal and there had been no Djokovic. It would have been great because Federer is a wonderful player to watch, but it wouldn't have been the same. Like the last 20 years of men's tennis have been about the three of them and then the others, the next step down, whether it's mm. um, Andy Murray or whoever else you want to throw in there. The rivalries have made that sport. And you as an Arsenal fan, um, I'm sure you loved the Invincible season um, and that early Wenger era, but if it hadn't have been such an amazing rivalry with Man United during that period, Mm. It wouldn't be as much fun. You know, the argument now about the Premier League is that because Man City dominate, it's slightly less fun. So the fact, you're right, the fact that it's not just Pog, Snoop Pog, who is a once-in-a-generational talent, but Vinegar, and the fact that we don't really know at this point, really have any idea where the narrative is going to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, um, I reckon people, if Vinegar hadn't been like as he was last year, this year, and Pog had been walking to these 
tours and winning, it would be like through me. Everyone would be starting to hate him, 100%. If, yep. if UAE were dominating, be like, UAE are boring. You know, Pog's flamboyant, but, you know, it's boring. So it is it is good for for the sport. Um, but even, like, that fight for the podium, like, that's still that's still good to see you know it's, it's, it's that's not boring either and then you know the, the sprints as well like I don't know I heard some people saying that the sprint days are like boring let's have them attacking like why can't you have 20 stages like like today but it's just it, it's, it just wouldn't happen you know like when you get a really hard stage and you know with like five climbs maybe it's never as exciting as people think the stages that are exciting are the, peop- are the stages that everyone can race or at least you know um, I, not everyone's scared of. Um, so yeah, it's it's set up for a. It would be the best tour in years, won't it? Really, um, excitement wise and who's going to win wise. So, um, but saying that, saying all this, Tom, saying all this, as a bike rider, I wouldn't care one. <laughs> I don't know what the thing is. If I won the tour ten times and everyone said it was boring, I wouldn't care. <laughs> I would honestly like I would love to you know race like Pog and attack and do this and do that but if I just played like Chelsea and won mate I don't care I win 10 tours mate <laughs> but I totally get the other side after watching this one so yeah well no one looks back at the Miguel Indurain era I mean maybe some people do actually because he was a man who just basically won it on time trials and then well, did exactly what he needs now, to do yeah. Like they don't they don't rip him oh he's boring you see Big Mick no. oh you're boring mate of course you don't shake your hand oh well done mate you're a legend he won five tours <laughs> you know like <laughs> yeah I agree I think you're spot on just before we take another advert break uh, I know I've done a lot of booze analogies on this podcast in the tour so far I'm going to give you one more before we have a little break for adverts on that point about oh it's we need to have more hard stages and the sprints are boring uh, you can't you can't have one without the other. In the same way, let's say you're having an all-dayer. Let's say it is um, late October, early November. It's the downtime. It's G downtime. Mm-hmm. If you're having a really good session, not every one of your beverages is going to be a flaming Sambuca. You need to have some 4% lagers in there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I can do all-dayers every day until I have to start riding my bike. So <laughs> <laughs> I can do that pretty well. Um hence the five kilos I end up putting on but no that, that is true it is true you need the sprint days you need a bit of time for boys to recover and then the exciting days are even more exciting because everyone's got a bit more oh I feel good I'm going to do this I'm going to do that blah 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 so yeah right let's have some adverts and then we've got uh, some questions from listeners <laughs> Just while we're doing adverts, I've got something to plug. I will be on stage this November in Cardiff and in London for the GTCC live tour. And you can get your tickets now. Tom, you're going to be there, right? Yes, I will. Fact. So this is your chance to join the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club in person for the very first time. Yeah, you do not want to miss our very first live show. Yeah, and that's not all. If you buy a ticket today, you will get a signed copy of G's new book. It's out in November and it's all about the greatest rides you can do on your bike across the world. You'll basically be pre-ordering that and you'll get a copy signed by G himself. So if you want the book and you want it signed, then get a ticket for the live show. So we are in London on November the 6th. 
and in Cardiff on November the 7th. GTCC Live, the greatest ride, coming soon to a stage near you. As long as you live near London or Cardiff. Hi everyone, Sam Warburton here and I hope you're enjoying what's occurring. How would you like to hear a bit more of Luke talking about the fine margins that can make or break a tour victory? You start a race with a bag of sand and every acceleration you do, every wasted nervous energy is just an extra pinprick. And if you stick enough pinpricks in there, all the sand's going to fall out. Or hear him reflect on when things don't go to plan. Might have been the first time I've said it publicly, but um, it still bugs me, you know. I should have been there. That was a special moment. You know, we paid for it. If track cycling is your thing, what about Sir Chris Hoy breaking down the mindset required to win Olympic gold? I would visualize the perfect race and how it sounded, how it smelled, how it felt, you know, sitting on the start line, hearing the beeps, and that will displace any distracting thought or negative thought or anxious thought. If that sounds like something you'd enjoy, then check out my podcast, Captains. Each week, I sit down to compare notes, swap stories, and share leadership insights with some of the biggest names in sport. It's self-improvement through storytelling. To hear those episodes in full and explore the rest of the back catalogue, just search for Captains with Sam Warburton wherever you get your podcasts. Dion. Uh, before we move on, Tom, as well, I just want to give a shout out to James Shaw. To be honest, mm. this is going to sound bad, but I didn't even know he was in the race. But that was some ride by him today. I think, you know, he's had his troubles, like even finding a team like over recent years. So, yeah, to see him in the breakaway, you know, I had my money on Paulus and he was there longer than Paulus and he was strong fighting, not a fair player. Quick shout out to him. Um, and another mini little shout out for Quieto. Great to see him. Last guy getting dropped from the big two. Um, good to see him back racing at the front, getting his teeth out as he does. He always plays the camera a little bit, but no, fair play, Quieto. <laughs> good to see you back, mate. I find myself sometimes, G, um, rooting for people, depending on whether they've appeared with us um, in one of our series of GTCC, <laughs> because we had such a nice time with Quieto. And we recorded that one in Monaco during your off season on our, I think our third and fourth GNTs of the evening. Well, that was a I've good one, wasn't it? We were it was good fun. Properly lubed up for that one. <laughs> um, yeah, and you're absolutely right. Sorry, not hooped up. That sounds would, a bit dodgy. That, yeah, that would have been a very different night out um, or night in. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right about James Shaw. Um, I think a lot of people might not have heard of him before um, watching the tour this year. It's only two years ago that he was riding with Ribble Well, well Tight. So. It is a remarkable performance from him and well played. Right, uh, we have a listener question for you, Geraint. Uh, this is from Eyal, who would like to know, he says, I've got a question for G. He also asks for Luke's answer. Maybe we can ask Luke tomorrow. Right, you've got a choice here. Prime Richie Port or Sepp Kuss, which of the two do you take as a super domestique? Mm. That's a tough one because they're both obviously super good, super domestiques, but... I think I'd have to go cuss, to be honest. Um, oh, Richie is good, though, in his prime. But I think with cuss, I think he's a bit more consistent. Yeah, both phenomenal guys. You know, in their prime, you wouldn't turn either of them down, but I'd probably lean more towards cuss. Also, because Richie was a winner as well. No, Richie won a lot of races. He won Dauphiné, Paris-Nice, Romandy. You know, he won a lot of big, good stage races. Um, I don't think he ever Third got... on the tour. 
third in the tour. I think he tour. won a stage. Did he win a stage ever, Grand Tour? He won the white jersey in the Giro. You know, like, so Palmares wise better than Cus. Um, but Cus has won a stage of the tour, I think. Um, so, you know, it's like choosing between a mint choc chip or a, what's the other one I like? Anything, really. I think mint choc chips one, if you can't even remember the other one. <laughs> <laughs> no, Stracciatella's nice. Vanilla's oh. nice. Biscotto, that's nice. Or, or this Nutella. is getting very much like your predict. This is getting your predictions for the stage two <laughs> two days ago, <laughs> where you're just going to name eight different ice creams as your favourite flavour. Uh, yeah, true, but um, yeah, no. What, what I'm saying basically is they're both great riders are to choose, but if I had to, I'd go Cus as a super domestique. Okay, anyone else that you would want to throw that that we've obviously given you two there to choose from? Anyone else from your career that you'd lob in, like a cheeky Wout Pools or anyone like that? Oh, Wout Pools, obviously, yeah. Yeah, he's been great in the past. Um, yeah, he would go in there and try to think of other team. Micah, Micah's been, you know, this year he's maybe passed his absolute best, but, um, well, yeah, yeah, he is. Um, but yeah, he was good over the years. Uh, trying to think of some other big riders that had good helpers. They're the main, they're the main guys, aren't they, really? Okay, shall we have a little look ahead to Friday's seventh stage, which in contrast to Thursday's uh, fun in the Pyrenees is pretty pancake flat. So we are from Mont-de-Marsan to Bordeaux, heading up the coast, 169 kilometers. It is bunch sprint every day of the week, I think, isn't it? Um, You and I haven't had a lot of luck with our sprint predictions. No, and you keep going for the same as me, which I feel like you're cursing me. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I think I am. I'm, ma- I'm man marking you out of this race. Yeah, who are you going for? And then I'm going to go for someone different. Okay. Well, I would like to say Cav, um, cool, because I think he, I think he does have decent legs, and I think at some point his luck's going to change. If I was being super logical, I'd say Philipson, because everything's working in that team. The leadout's working. Van der Poel's legs are brilliant. Philipson can just sit on him and go. Uh, Jakobsen had his crash a couple of days ago so it's definitely a case of head phillips and heart cav mm. and to give you a little bit of room for maneuver i will go for cav okie doke well looking at the finish it's pretty straightforward although you got a big long straight road sharp right hander about three and a half k out then you got another sort of u-bolt 3k to go couple of roundabouts and then pretty much the last 2k is kind of bending around the river to the finish so um yeah it's not like the other day it's not super technical um i know who i'm gonna go for wout van Aert. even after his massive day today is he not gonna have his, his yeah, legs well, won't be toast well my logic to that is jacobson has had a massive day cavs had a massive True. day and i think for, it's different you know when you're pinging and you're good and you're at the front and it's hurting you feel so much better than when you feel exactly the same but you're out with the ass. so I think tonight he's he's obviously good legs he's going to recover well he had speed in the last sprint I think he would have come past Philipson had he not been on the right side of him and got squeezed so yeah I'm going to go Van Aert just stay on the left side mate because the road bends around to the right so don't get squeezed on the right again. But um, yeah, I'm going to go Van Aert. Fundamentally, we're just fighting for breadcrumbs here, aren't we? Because the Pluski is, even at this stage. I was so annoyed. I was like, 
the breaks are five minutes. I was like, give them more, yeah. give them more. And then Jumbo yeah. started riding. I was like, ah, oh, bugger. Well, that's, they, were, they had that plan though, didn't they? So that was always going to happen. I was hoping they were going to be a bit more conservative, but yeah, there we go. But it's a long race, mate. I would keep saying about the two big guys, Tom. The race isn't over. And it's the same with the Plusky. He's looking good now, but he's just, he's going to blow his load soon, mate. It's, it's, it's not straight He's burning forward. a lot of matches, isn't he? He's burning yeah. a lot of matches in his first week. Yeah, 100%. So we'll see. We'll see by by Paris. We'll see who's top of the table then. But um, I've just got a quick shout out as well, by the way, because I got tweeted by Richard Evans and his mate James Coxon is attempting to break the 100 kilometer world record this Saturday on a recumbent bike at the Garang Thomas National Velodrome of Wales. So oh, no finer place. Yeah, I just want to give a big shout out to James Coxon. Is that how you say it? Coxon. Coxon? Coxon. Coxon, yeah. So it's ironic to- bearing in mind he's on a recumbent bike because that might be a danger on a recumbent bike, but anyway. <laughs> but yeah, just so I just want to give a big shout out to James Coxon and good luck, mate. And 100K on a track though. How many laps is that? That's a lot, isn't it? What, 400 laps, isn't it? It's not that hard to work out, was it? <laughs> uh, that's a lot of laps, though. Oh, he'd be dizzy after that because, oh, actually, oh no, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I was trying to think how many laps um, uh, people would have done when he did his fifty-six k's. Because mm. his manager apparently was doing a shot of beer for every kilometer. Each <laughs> one during the actual attempt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I thought that was a bit of a cop out because what's 56 shots how many milliliters is that well if he's going to do like the sort of literally like a shot 30 mil is it they're tiny if you get a measure of spirits in a pub I mean even if he's doing two fingers he's doing 25 fingers so he's probably only doing six well that's still quite a bit five or six pints I'm going to I'm going to go downstairs when we finish this I'll measure it on a pint glass and we can talk about it in the pod in a couple of days how many pints of beer is Garner's manager drinking during yeah, his hour record? 56 shots. I reckon if it's only 25 mil a shot, is it, I'm going to have to Google this. I want to know now. I don't want to know in a few days' time, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, shout out to, what's his name again? James Coxon. Big shout out to Mr. Coxon. Good on you, mate. Good luck. Yeah, good luck, James. Keep us posted. Let us know how you get on. Right, Tom, I've just worked it out super fast. If it is 25 mil a shot, he's had two and a half pints over an hour. What? That's ridiculous. That's nothing. That's and like then, a pleasant lunch with colleagues. Yeah, and people was like, oh yeah, he was like totally drunk. It's so Italian, isn't it? So Italian. <laughs> Gotta do a shot a lap, mate. If you do a shot a lap, do you just times two and a half by four? If you're having four times. A shot a lap is disaster. I think that's the other extreme. 25 times four. So... It's 100 mil every kilometre. So times 56, obviously 5,600 <laughs> mils divided by, what's a pint of beer again? About 550, 560, is it mil? 560. 10 pints. Over oh, an hour. Now, now we're talking. <laughs> That's worth watching. So I think the only danger with that is is that it would actually tear your attention away from the hour record attempt yeah, to the ten pint, anyway, isn't it? The ten pint attempt. That's what you want to see. Who's ever watched an hour record from start to finish? <laughs> you basically tune in with five minutes to go, oh yeah, he's gonna do it, cool. 
No. I wonder if the U- <laughs> I wonder if the UCI would have some really nerdy rule about you couldn't you had to use old fashioned pint glasses with you know like the handles on the side because that's what Eddie Merckx would have drunk his pints out of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, what do you think would be easier? Doing a shot every lap or just having 10 points and you've got to finish the 10 points in, a, in an hour? Or having like all these shots every like, well, how, how long is it taking a lap? 16 odd seconds or something? I think you just got to keep, I mean, to get the 10 points down here, you've pretty much got to do the shot every lap anyway. Do you know what I mean? Unless you just go out hard. But if but you if go out just down 10 points, I mean, you, yeah, you can have a bit of a breather. break. Yeah. But it's 10 points. Yeah. In Agreed. an hour. So, this feels like we need a side pod Um, let's think about this overnight and come up with um, (laughs) proper format for the 10 pint hour record challenge challenge. yeah Yeah. Luke will do it right that was good fun Um, the race is very much alive the pod is alive we'll see you next time cheers bro Network, a place where you belong.